0: that only a good shepherd can. There's a certain thing about trusting the shepherd, though, because the sheep know less than the shepherd. The sheep no less than the shepherd. So when you hear the voice of God, sometimes he tells you to do things that you don't understand, or you don't know yet. And the point of that is to submit to that voice I want to guide you really quickly to that one of the scriptures we had read from, which is Psalms uh, 23, and it's verse 4. And You'll understand why I brought my little, my little guy here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. There's a couple... It's interesting why a rod or a staff of a shepherd might even comfort David at all. If you know, does anybody here know, you don't have to say it, of course, know why there's a hook on the end of a shepherd's staff? The majority of the reasons are to hook the sheep when they're walking off of the path and pull them on. Other common reasons were to hit the sheep in the right direction as they were going. And so these are things of correction, yet they comfort David. And so I want you to open your hearts tonight to what is God pulling you into? What is he directing you to? What is he hooking you and pulling you away from? Because when you hear that voice, let it be a comfort to you. Because God is trying to direct you and, make you, and direct you to those green pastures. So trust in the Lord. So I just want to give a brief a really quick easy display of this and then I'll be all set here. Which is uh I got two volunteers. The two volunteers. All right, if you guys will watch, these are my sheep. And I'm just helping them, I'm guiding them, and so I'm like I'm walking Come on guys, we're going to go to the the green fields over here. We're going to go over to those those waters. Oh, what what Oh, there we go. See, this one's a little trouble. He's trying to get away. We're going to keep going all the way over here to these green shepherd these these, these pastures, these pastures. Is my sheep doing good? Okay, I'm just going to make sure he stays over here and pull him in. All right, thank you. That's it, brother. That's it. It's so silly. It's so dumb. Not really dumb, but it's it's a simple example of We walk away from God continually. And we have to understand that He knew that we would, and so He has devices in place. He has ways to comfort us and pull us back into the narrow path. So I pray that if you get convicted when you read the Word, let it convict. The day of Pentecost, they responded to Jesus saying that, or they responded to the disciples saying that their hearts were pricked. Let yourselves feel the unction of the Holy Ghost when He's directing your life. When you feel conviction, when you feel something that you know that you should be improving on, let it be something that motivates you and comforts you and pulls you. Because know this as I reread here that the shepherd gave his life for the sheep. So be encouraged, and I'll leave you with this last scripture here, which is uh, Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God, and I just want to kind of recharacterize it, the voice of the shepherd. When when you listen to the voice of the shepherd, you, you receive the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men. And it teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. If you ever experience the grace of God, know that biblically speaking, it's to entice you and pull you to the narrow path. It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And so uh, it should be all motivation for us as the sheep that we are convicted and that we listen for his voice that we pray that we aren't hard of hearing, you know, and that we listen to the wisdom of God in all of our things. So uh, thank you very much. That is it for me tonight.
1: Amen. Thanks, Brad. That was good. Yeah, Brad. Brad, you got a bad sheep. Amen. Sometimes, uh, you know, the uh, shepherds, uh, Rod and staff, it, we don't like how it feels, but we have to submit we had that we entrust that he knows what he's doing. Otherwise, if he didn't love us, then he would just let, let us go, wouldn't he? And so many people think that the love of God, he just lets us go do what we want. That's not the love of God. The love of God is he chastises and he corrects because he wants, him, he wants us in the right place. And so I'm thankful for the... Uh, all the marks, the bruises, the scars from the shepherd's rod on my, on my life, amen, because that's brought me to this place, amen, amen, and uh, likewise in your life, amen. We are going to uh, continue in our series we're talking about, about the great mystery, and uh, we take our text from Ephesians, the third chapter, uh, you don't have to stand, I'll just read this really quick. Unto me who am less than the least of all these saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Amen. And so in this series we've been exploring the uh, the mystery that has been underneath the clouds, that was hidden since the beginning of the world, and that mystery we have been talking about is the revelation of the church, the, this plan of, of God's grace and dispensation of grace that he has uh, for this time. How the old prophets, Old Testament prophets could not see this period, um, could not see the church, frankly, because the church was on a, it's on a different train track than the track that Israel's on uh, because they made their choices, and so God uh, is, went to reveal the church. God has had a plan for the church, and he has a plan for Israel as well. And where they come together, these plans, these trains come together, uh, they come together is in the Millennial Kingdom that will be arriving soon on this earth at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And last week we looked at the Jewish marriage process and how uh, Jesus used many, many illustrations uh, when he was talking to to, uh, the Jews and the apostles about uh, the marriage process, marriage references, and how that affects the church, his bride, And how that relates to us and ultimately the world. And the timing of it all, as we mentioned last week, just kind of seemed to line up uh, with Daniel's 70th week. That is destined for Israel, the final seven years of Israel's time clock. How uh, if we were the bride, we would be in the Father's house while the 70th week was happening here on earth. Uh, Again, this is all from a pre-tribulation position uh, of the rapture of the church. And I guess the the mid-tribbers and post-tribbers have their time chart as well whenever that marriage process works into their chart, if it does. Uh, But uh, it seems to me that there is a party, as we talked about, a party and a celebration going on in heaven in the Father's house before Jesus returns to the earth in the latter part of Revelation. And tonight we're going to take another glimpse into heaven... And see if we can find you and I up there, uh, if we can find the church. Uh, I know we've uh, symbolically, according to the Jewish uh, marriage ceremony, technically we would be up there. But uh, we're going to look again in heaven and see if we can find us during this time. Because if the word of God is, declares the end from the beginning and it tells it all, then surely we could be able to look or should be able to look in the Revelation somewhere and find a glimpse of, of us or the people in heaven. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, and so in order to do that, we need a snapshot of heaven. We need somebody to testify uh, who has been there or has seen a vision from God uh, so we can get an idea of what it looks like. Um, and I know there are many people out there who have written books, 30 minutes in heaven or whatever. How many many people have gone to heaven and come back? Apparently, maybe they didn't like it. I don't know. But if I ever go to heaven, why would I want to come back? But uh, so we need to, we're going to look into the word of God and see, let's get a snapshot of heaven and see what it looks like up there. And see if we can poke around a little bit and see if we can find us. Because we've got to be there uh, in Revelation somewhere. And so where do we go? We're going to start in Isaiah, the 6th chapter, because we know Isaiah, the prophet, had a vision of heaven, at least a part of it. In the Isaiah 6, 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it, above the throne, the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, twain he covered his feet, and twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, this obviously is not a full panoramic view of heaven, but we do get a vision, a snapshot of the throne of God uh, from Isaiah's vision. And from the throne, from Isaiah, what Isaiah could see, he saw God seated on a throne and he saw angels above and around the throne, and obviously that's probably expected. We we'd expect to see that, but uh, keep in mind uh, what did we learn about Isaiah? What in his prophecy that he prophesied a few chapters later, Isaiah nine six, a child being born and the government being upon his shoulder. Uh, when Isaiah prophesied that, he saw, he saw that happen, but he didn't see that there was a, a big distance between uh, the middle of his verse, uh, some 2,000 years. And so what Isaiah saw was great, but there was a lot in between. He didn't see the church underneath the clouds. He saw uh, the child and the child ruling. And so here we see that Isaiah sees God. ...on the throne, and he sees angels around it. Uh, and so we have that to go off of as a glimpse of heaven, the throne in heaven. And so we'll compare that with another uh, glimpse and, and see if there's uh, any similarities or what's, what's different. And so this one we see is from John, uh, Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven... And the, voice, the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must, must, must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Kind of like what Isaiah saw. Because Isaiah sees God seated on the throne, John sees that as well, but John sees something that Isaiah didn't see. He sees 24 seats around God's throne with an elder sitting upon each seat, and that would be kind of hard to miss, wouldn't it, Isaiah? How could you not see that? You saw angels all around the throne, but you missed the 24 seats sitting around the throne that you saw. How could you not see that, Isaiah? Well, what if when Isaiah saw heaven, what if maybe the 24 elders weren't there yet? If they weren't there, then how did they get there and when did they get there? Maybe they were there and and God just didn't want Isaiah to see it. That's very possible. But there's a reason he didn't see him. And so, did anything happen between Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4? Well, the mystery of the church was unveiled during that time that Isaiah had no clue about. And there is talk of a rapture of a church that could have happened maybe between this time. And thus, could the 24 elders represent the church? So that's what we're going to see. Who are these guys sitting around with women, elders, who doesn't give a gender? Actually, Jesus says there's no gender in heaven, so they're just elders. Uh, and so um, who are these 24 elders? Could they represent the church? Either something happened or the prophet Isaiah had bad cataracts and didn't see what half of was in heaven. Both are possible, I guess. Revelation 4 and 1 is believed and is held by many that that scripture represents the rapture of the church. That this is experienced by John, but it does describe like, in, like the rapture of the church. Uh, it sees, And after this, Revelation 4 and 1, And behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice, which I heard of it, was a trumpet talking with me said, come up hither and I will show thee things what's going to happen after. And immediately I was in the spirit. And so a trumpet sounds. John is raptured into heaven and is told there's going to be some things that are going to happen on the earth and I'm taking you out of the earth so you won't experience them, but you're going to happen to see them from balcony seats in heaven. And so, boom, come up here. And so with the sound of a trumpet, uh, the church is raptured out of here. The sound of a voice that sounded like a trumpet. John was raptured up in the heaven. And he says, write down the things you're going to see after this. And so the great tribulation doesn't take place until Revelation chapter 6. And John is taken up in John, Revelation chapter 4 before it all begins. And so John sees 24 elders Sitting around God's throne, one of the first things he describes when he he gets up there and he sees us. Um, And so what what can we, let's look at these 24 elders and see what the Bible talks about, what what they describe about them. And we'll see uh, how that relates to uh, other scriptures. And so what do we see uh, besides number 24, what do we see about them? Revelation 4.4, 4, round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And so the first detail that we are, are we told about is, is mentioned that there are twenty-four seats around the throne of God. And an elder sitting upon each seat. And so... Uh, that's our first detail that we got to dive into and find out. Uh, interesting enough, the previous chapter, Revelation chapter 3, God is writing to the church at Laodicea. And so I'll look at what he says to the church, Revelation 3.21. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and am sit down with my father and his throne. And so he tells the church, if you hang in there, if you overcome and if you fight the good fight of faith, if you do that, I will grant you to sit down with me on my throne. Could that be one of the 24 seats around his throne? Could that be seats for the elders of the church representing the church? Could be. I mean, he says the church is going to be able to sit with him around his throne. And so maybe that lines up with that. Uh, but let's go on to some more details about these elders. It says that they are clothed in white raiment. And so Revelation 3.1, he says, And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith, he that is the seven spirits of God, even the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast the name, and thou hast livest, and art dead. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name on the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So, 24 elders are clothed in white raiment, and to the church in Sardis, He says, if you guys hang in there and fight the good fight of faith, I will clothe you in white raiment. And so this could just be a a coincidence, but let's continue on. More details about the 24 elders. It says, they had on their heads crowns of gold. Don't say they had crowns on their head. And so Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, he's writing to the church in Smyrna. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And when ye, ye shall have tribulation ten days, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown. I'll give you a crown of life. He also writes to another church, Church at Philadelphia, Revelation 3.11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. So he's talking to the church, saying, if you hold on to the end and you persevere, I will give you a crown. And these elders happen to be wearing crowns of gold. And and so, uh, interesting enough, uh, so far we are seeing some of the same characteristics and details that are, are ascribed to the 24 elders are also described to the church. Uh, And so we go on, continue on, Revelation 5 and 8, and when he had taken the book, this is the book that contains the six seals, the beginning, getting ready to open the book, thus begins the 70th week, and the first seal will be unlocked and poured out and uh, begins the the tribulation period. And so when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And so, how interesting it would be that the vials full of the prayers of the saints are held by the elders that actually represent the church. That would kind of make sense. If that is, if the 24 elders represent the church, they're holding vials that are the prayers of the church. Uh, and so, but also, not only are they holding vials of prayers of the saints, but it says they also have a harp in each hand, and the harp was a popular instrument that was used to sing praises to the Lord, and to give Him glory and honor, and all, many, obviously in the Old Testament, and, uh, can still be done today, but, uh, I don't know many harp players except in orchestra, and that's a pretty big harp to carry around, um, but David was a harp player, and uh, he was uh, a great one, from what they what it seems like. And David writes in Psalm forty three and four, "Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise Thee, O God, my God." And so we we know how good of a uh, musician and harp player David was as he came and he comforted Saul when he was being tormented by an evil spirit. In came David with his harp and he played songs that were just uh, beautiful and, and he was playing them unto the Lord and uh, as he it describes here, the harp is a beautiful instrument to, to sing praises unto God and so be it that the 24 elders that are sitting before the throne and sitting around the throne of God also have a harp which would be indicative of they're playing it as praises unto the lord isn't that what we do all the time we we may not be good harp players but we sure do know how to praise and worship the lord don't we we know how to lift up our voices we know how to give him praise and lift up our hands and clap unto the lord and sing unto him and and there are people that are going to be doing that in heaven With the harp and playing and pouring out the the prayers of the saints, couldn't that be representative of the church? But let's continue looking for more details. We don't want to jump to any conclusions. So the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song. We love singing songs. Uh, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. This is their song. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And so the 24 elders are playing the harp and they are singing unto the Lord about how God redeemed them by his blood. These elders have been redeemed. That means that they were once lost. But by the blood of the Lamb, they were found and they were brought back into relationship with with Jesus Christ. And they're singing to God about this. God, you you are worthy. You has redeemed us by your blood. And so uh, uh, they cannot be angels. Because angels are not given the option to be redeemed. They made their choice. And God has not given the angels salvation. That's why the angels look into in look into all this that's going on. The Bible says the angels look into this this salvation thing because they they aren't given that. They got one tra- one choice and one decision, and and that was final. But we, on the other hand, we have been given this. Uh, this redemption process, this salvation, and it came by uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the only ones that I'm aware of that are redeemed by the blood are human beings and more specifically the church and believers in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And so here these 24 elders are singing and praising God, thank you, Lord, for redeeming us by your blood. Who else could that be? I don't think it's necessarily Israel. It it can, I guess, in some sense. I don't want to hog all 24 seats. But if if some of the seats are for Israel, that's great. But uh, I don't think it's uh, necessarily Israel at this moment because uh, these people are in heaven. And the great tribulation is getting ready to happen. And Israel... Uh, can't be in heaven because the 70th week is given to them. And so they're still on earth waiting for the 70th week to happen upon them so that they can come through that, come through the fire of Daniel's 70th week and return to faith as God's purpose and plan for the 70th week is to get Israel to believe it and to call on him again. But uh, these people are in heaven before all of that happens, before that book is opened and the first seal is poured out. And so there are redeemed people, and it says redeemed out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, and every nation. Last time I checked, Israel is only one tongue and one nation of people. But yet here's this group saying, you've redeemed us out of every nation of the world. That kind of brings me back to Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And so this group of elders around the throne of God are praising God, thanking Him for redeeming Him them by His blood. And so they're singing this about how He's done all this for him by His blood. Uh, and their song continues on into verse 10. Revelation 5 and 10 and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And so these elders are confessing that God has made them kings and priests. Not only are they elders, but apparently God has designated them that they're going to be kings and priests. And so who, uh, who is this going to be? Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, there's a blood reference, and hath made us, who's he talking about? The church. He has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so here John is addressing the church and he's saying, Jesus has made the church kings and priests, but yet here in heaven, these elders are saying, God, you have made us kings and priests. So the church, the redeemed people of God are going to be kings and priests, but also we see the same thing being said in heaven. Interesting. And so I know you're probably wondering about the number 24 and we'll get to that. Don't worry about that. But they say, and thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now remember, this is, all, this is going on in heaven. This is all before the throne of God. But they're saying, we're going to reign on the earth. We shall reign. It hasn't happened yet. So that means you're going to be leaving heaven and coming to earth. If you're going to reign on the earth, you're in heaven now. You've got to be taking a trip down to the earth. Uh, and so it means that at some point they're not going to be in heaven Uh, if they are to reign on the earth. Well, how and when is that going to happen? I mean, I thought heaven was the place to be. Uh, And so, since the 70th week hasn't happened yet and is getting ready in chapter 6, this is chapter 5, the scroll, the book with the seven seals is getting ready to be opened. But after all of that happens, after all the... Uh, seven seals, seven vials, and seven bowls are poured out during the seventieth week. Uh, what's going to happen is Jesus is going to be coming to the earth. We see at the end of chapter, uh, at the end of Revelation, Jesus is coming to earth. The, the sky is going to open, and Jesus comes, and with him all the armies in heaven that are clothed in white raiment. And Jesus, what is he doing? He's coming to establish his kingdom on the earth for a thousand years the millennial reign the millennial kingdom uh, happens at the end of the 70th week at the end of tribulation jesus comes and says okay it's my turn to rule all you gentiles the times of the gentiles you guys had your chance to rule the earth now it's time for israel to rule the earth and i'm going to show you how you really should rule the earth That's why it's a 1,000 years of peace. No other kingdom is going to be able to compare to the kingdom that Jesus is going to rule. But that happens at the end of the Great Tribulation. Jesus comes from heaven bringing all his people from from heaven to earth. Uh, And so uh, Jesus establishes his kingdom upon the earth. And to help him rule the earth, He's going to set up kings, governors, senators, congressmen, mayors, city councilmen. Whatever, whatever plan Jesus, whatever governmental structure God is going to do when he gets to earth and rules, that's, that's how he's going to set it up. Uh, and so however Jesus plans on setting it up, he's going to use his people to rule and reign with him. As in they say, he's made us kings and priests, a king rules over a kingdom. Uh, And so if he's going to be ruling the whole earth, uh, there's going to be cities and things spread out just like it is now. But imagine the world now, but apostolic mayors and apostolic senators and apostolic congressmen that's going to be a picture of the kingdom of God because the righteousness is going to rule and God's not going to just pull people off the street and say, hey, you look good, you're going to rule in my kingdom. No. The time period, the test and trial is now if we can endure through the righteousness and, and live a righteous life now, God's going to make us kings and priests when his kingdom comes and then God's going to make us rulers to rule with him in righteousness. And so... That's the elders saying, you have made us kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So the, they're all coming back to earth at some point. And that's going to be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, and we will be ruling with him. Amen, musicians, if you would come. And so, uh, from what the Bible tells us about these 24 elders that John saw, but I, Isaiah did not see these seated around the throne, every description, every detail that was given about them, we see the same detail, almost word for word, given to and spoken to the church. As we see, as we mentioned in, in the first, Revelation 2 and chapter 3, where he's talking about all the churches, we find those same characteristics. Uh, but then, the boom, something happens, Revelation four one, a, a calling up, and then there's, Sitting there in heaven. So it seems uh, almost uh, an open and shut case that uh, who else could be or represent these 24 elders besides the church. I don't, I'm not uh, seeing any good example uh, besides the church. Some might say they, may, they represent the 12 apostles and 12 tribes of Israel. And that might be. I'm not sure about that. Um, I do know is that we, all I know is that we've seen attributes of these elders and attributes of the church. How they seem to just line right up. Uh, And so, why 24? So that is the answer, that's the last description that we have about these elders. Why 24? For that we have to go to 1 Chronicles, the 24th chapter. It says, now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron. The sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and Eleazar and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eleazar and Ithamar executed the, the priest's office. And David distributed them, both Zadok of the sons of Eleazar and Ahimelech, the sons of Ithamar, according to their offices and their service. And so what David did uh, is he organized the priests and he split them up into 24 groups. And verse 5 it says, Thus they were divided by lot, one sort with another, for the governors of the sanctuary and the governors of the house of God were the sons of Eleazar and the sons of Ithamar. And so Who are these people and what are they talking about? Who are the sons of Aaron? Who uh, Aaron was, the high priest, he and his sons served in the temple of God. And they did all, they performed the rituals of sacrifices and they, they did all of that. And they organized and they ran the temple in service to God. Uh, and so there were so many of them that David split them up into groups and organized them into service times. And how many groups did he split them up into? We continue reading down in uh, verse 24. Uh, we'll start verse 17. The 1 and 20th to Jachin. The 2 and 20th to Gamul, The 3 and 20th, the 23rd was the, the Deliah. And the 24th went to Maziah. These were the orderings of them in their service to come into the house of the Lord according to their manner under Aaron their father as the Lord God of Israel had commanded him. And so the the service of the priests were divided up into 24 groups for their service unto the Lord. Each group had their own responsibilities, their own tasks that were organized it all out. And they all served in that role for whatever given time period that was. Some say that David wanted praise and worship to be going on 24 hours a day. And so therefore there were 24 shifts of priests. Some say that the priestly service was for two weeks at a time. And therefore, they would come to Jerusalem and serve for those two weeks, and they would return back to their home uh, as another person of that tribe or group would come and, and, and replace them just like our, our, our work schedules. We've got people that come and replace us if, if that happens. Uh, and so, uh, thus every year, they would serve two weeks out of the year and come and, and do their duty and service to the Lord in the kingdom, in the temple. And if maybe if it was, if their if their roles and responsibility of service lasted a month, then that meant that every two years you would have a shift and you would go to Jerusalem and you would serve in the temple for, for a month or however money however however long the shift was. That's not the important part. The important part is it was they were broken down into twenty four groups. And so uh, it so happened we see this happening. That is exactly when God came or the angel came and spoke to Zacharias, John the Baptist's father, is when he was on duty serving at his course in the temple. We see this in Luke 1 and 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. That was his the his uh, section, Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances, the Lord blameless. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well stricken in years. And it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And so Zacharias was there serving his time in the temple, and lo and behold, an angel shows up to Zacharias and, and tells him about Elizabeth's going to be bearing with child. He's going to call his name John. And, and Zacharias, kind of like a, a Abram, was well stricken in years. And he kind of laughed and chuckled and said, eh, I can't really. You know, who are you talking You're talking to an elder. And, uh, and so obviously we know the story that he was mute. He couldn't talk because of his unbelief but until the child was born. And then he, they asked him what his name should be and he finally opened the space and it was going to be John. And so the, the thing is is that Zacharias, he was of the course of Abia and he was there executing the priest's office and he was doing his duties and service to the temple. And whatever time period that was, when he was done, he would return home uh, and his service was done. And so that is why um, I think... There are twenty-four elders before the throne of God, is because it represents uh, the service of the priesthood uh, that that worship Him day and night, and and there's a, uh, you know there's the the all the things the the articles and the furniture that were in the temple and tabernacle, the light stand and the the table of showbread, all that stuff was in heaven. Because Moses went up to the mountain and said, make everything of the pattern you see in heaven. And so uh, if the 24 priests served on duties at the, the earthly tabernacle, if that is a representative of what's in heaven, then there's going to be a service going on in heaven, of rotation of priests and service. And, and, and they have harps and they're playing and they're singing and they're, they're doing their duties. And so if the church is, is called to be kings and priests, and we're going to rule with him. We're also going to be priests. We're going to be serving in this in this temple and kingdom. Doesn't it make sense that the 24 elders that are kind of doing all of that before the throne of God, doesn't that make sense that that would be the church? You stand with me tonight. In their song, as they sang their song, the 24 elders, thou hast made us... Unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. In verse 10, verse 11 continues on. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times ten thousands, and thousands and thousands. There's millions and billions of people up there in heaven saying with a loud voice worthy is a lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and if there's ten thousands upon ten thousands and ten thousands of them uh, and there's only 24 seats and that means there's a rotation of all those people are going to serve and that's going to take all of eternity to get that many people to come uh, do their shift and do their service before the king of uh, of glory and every creature verse 13 which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are as in the sea that are in them heard i saying blessing and honor and glory and power Be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne, upon the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And then the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. I believe that's a representative of the church right there. That we're worshipping Him right now, but soon and very soon. We're going to be called up and all of a sudden we're going to see 24 seats around the throne and we're going to be worshiping, we're going to be shouting and singing how great our God is. That's soon. That's going to happen. You don't need to be worried about what's going on or who's going to win the election. I believe that this is right around the corner where we're going to be happening in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to look, look by this world or we're going to see the throne of heaven. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's magnify Him tonight as we sing praises, just like we'll be doing there in heaven. Hallelujah. Come on, He's an awesome God. He's redeemed us by His blood. He's made us to be kings and
2: priests.
1: We're going to rule and reign with our
2: Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you. Blessed be the name. Of our God hallelujah, hallelujah, awesome hallelujah, hallelujah. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. wisdom. Come
1: on, he reigns,
2: and God we're going to reign. God hallelujah, God awesome. hallelujah. Our God is, is awesome? an awesome God He reigns From heaven and With wisdom, power, and love Our God is an awesome God Oh, He reigns He
1: reigns Oh, He reigns Come on, oh, he, oh, he, he reigns
2: He reigns He's still on the throne
1: Praise Him. He deserves it. Hallelujah. Glory and honor and power be to You, Lord Jesus, who reigns in majesty. We worship You. We magnify You, God, who has redeemed us by Your blood, has made us to be kings and priests. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, if there's any doubt, I hope that's all cleared up. That gives me hope and faith and confidence that I see us in there. I see us there in heaven worshiping the Lord. Amen. And, uh, you know, four years ago, I probably would have been chewing my fingernails off, wouldn't have had any fingers to hold the mic. But, you know, we've been talking about all this for the past few weeks, months. And I tell you, I can't have, I don't know if I have any more. I have, I have so much peace in my life that no matter what happens, because I know this is happening soon. Even if we t- turn the USA turns into the USSA, Amen. This is this is happening soon. I believe because the Scripture says it's happening. He's taking the church out of here before it gets really bad, and it's 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 right around the corner, folks. There's no time to be messing around to be lukewarm. It's time to get on fire, get on our knees, and fall before the Lord. Amen. Because we don't want to miss out on that trumpet. That trumpet that sounds and says, come up here and see what's going to happen afterwards. Amen. We are blessed. Man, we need, uh, we get, definitely get our practice on and praising. And get some, buy, purchase some harps if we're going to have them up there. we going to start playing, practicing that. Amen. But it's great to be a part of the church. God's
2: got great things for us. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.